0: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Vox Tablet. I'm your host, Sarah Ivry. I just learned that the legendary Yiddish actor, Fivish Finkel, is doing a Purim show this month. Finkel is 91 years old now, and he's still going strong. We were lucky to have him on Vox Tablet a few years back. It was a hilarious conversation. It's definitely in my top 10 favorites. So today we're representing that conversation for you for your enjoyment. Here it is. Um, Are
1: we testing everything all right? Yeah. Can you tell me what you had for breakfast? I certainly could. I had my juice. I had uh, scrambled eggs, a bagel, a little cheese, and coffee.
0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Vox Tablet. I'm your host, Sarah Avery. Today, we're hanging out with a veteran of the Yiddish stage. Hmm. Fyvesh Finkel made his theatrical debut in New York City nearly 80 years ago, when he was all of nine years old. By the time he was 20, he was hamming it up in his first film, and he's been hamming it up ever since. He's had Pardon
1: re- me, my dear. <laughs> I'm kosher, so don't say ham. All right. Do me a favor. Okay, all right, okay. He was performing.
0: He was performing, all right. Okay. By the time he was 20, he was performing on film, and he's had recurring roles on popular television shows like Boston Public and Picket Fences, for which he won an Emmy, and on the big screen, most recently, in the Coen Brothers movie, A Serious Man. Right. Right. Finkel has just turned 88, and he's now appearing in a show called Five-ish Finkel Live. It's a musical review presented by the Folk's Theater in New York City. He had his day off today, and he graciously invited us over to his home in Midtown, New York, to talk about his epic career. 5 Finkel, welcome to Vox Tablet.
1: I'm getting quite a kick out of it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but I want to ask you, uh, it's been a while that you've been performing. I mean, 80 years is, you Oh, know. I've
1: been uh, performing all of my life. The only time I stopped was for three years when my voice was changing. I was 15. I had to wait for my second voice. Uh-huh. That's when I stopped.
0: How did you get into it in the first place? Oh, very
1: easy. Uh, we lived in Brownsville, Brooklyn, uh, about two blocks from the theater. And they had an article in the Forverts, the Jewish paper. They need a young kid that knows the song. Go oh, promise me he should be a soprano. I fit right in.
0: Oh, Promise Me, in English.
1: In English, yes.
0: I don't know that song.
1: Oh, Promise Me That Someday, you and I. But uh, my father took me. Oh, they had about eight, ten children there. They picked me. Uh, You see, in every show, they had a wedding on the stage. And during the ceremony, the spotlight hit the box seat. A little kid with a Buster Brown haircut sang Oh, Promise Me. That was me. Hmm. And he stopped the show, tremendous applause, and I got a dollar a night.
0: Which was, I guess, a lot in of money. In those
1: days, I, I was uh, the king of the house, Did bringing you- <laughs> in $8 a week.
0: <laughs> Did you come from a theatrical family? No,
1: no. It's just they loved theater, you know. Uh, they weren't actors or anything.
0: Your parents were immigrants, is that right?
1: That's right. My father came from Poland. My mother came from Minsk. Uh-huh. But they met here.
0: And they didn't have any reservations about going off into the performing arts rather than getting my a solid profession. My father He
1: wanted me to be an actor <laughs> so he could see shows for nothing. Oh,
0: there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I read somewhere that you weren't actually born with the name Fivish. You were born with the name Philip. Is that right? Philip
1: is my legal name. Fivish is my Jewish name. Uh, it's really my name. You see, in Yiddish, it's Fivish. When I went to school, public school was Philip.
0: So you got your start in the theater in Brooklyn, but eventually you moved to the oh, to Second I, Avenue.
1: Well, I played Second Avenue as a child uh, actor. Well,
0: what was, I wonder if you can set the scene for us a little. I mean, what was it like in the Yiddish theater back you know, 70 years ago on Second Avenue? What was oh, the atmosphere like? God. What did people talk about? What did they do backstage well, while they were waiting to go forget, on? Well, don't forget,
1: when I started in the, in the middle 30s, Yiddish theater was a big industry in other words you had a brooklyn alone four theaters second avenue had four theaters as 8 a, a vaudeville house on clinton street was 9 the bronx had three theaters as 12 wow but it was a very uh, oh my goodness a, a season was was about 42 weeks 43 weeks a season so
0: it's practically the whole year
1: nearly the whole year and vaudeville... They used to charge, when I was a kid, 25 cents, 50 cents at night. The owner couldn't make a go of it at that price. He raised a dime. They wanted to kill him. (laughs) They uh, they weren't bashful, those audiences.
0: Did you prefer that kind of audience to what you encountered later when you got to Broadway?
1: I loved that audience to talk to me. (laughs) They didn't heckle. Heckler is different. A heckler would try to insult you, but they didn't. They would say, oh, wonderful, after a song, marvelous, they would yell up. We heard that last week, you know, things like that. (laughs) (laughs) I got a big charge out of that, Uh really. When I went to Broadway, the the audience was really disciplined, you know. They didn't do that.
0: You made the crossover to Broadway in Fiddler on the Roof. That's right. (laughs) What year was that?
1: That was 1966. 66. I signed the contract at 65. And the first national company rehearsed and went on the road in 1966. When we finished the tour in 1970, I played a year on Broadway.
0: And did you find that it was different uh, being on Broadway, not just in terms of the audience, but just the whole mechanism of putting a a show? It's a complete
1: different mechanism. In what way? Uh, There's more of a discipline there. You know, you couldn't have lib uh, unless you got permission. Uh You know. (laughs) But you get used to it. They paid better.
0: Yeah, I imagine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Not in my case. I wanted to make that move. And I played fiddle on the roof for less money than what I got on Second Avenue. Is that right? Absolutely. Why is that? Because I saw the handwriting on the wall. My last season was 14 weeks. You can't make a living on 14 weeks. So in order to make a living, I performed at resorts, bar mitzvahs, weddings... Everywhere where I can make a living. I had two sons to send to college. Right, yeah. I took that job, a uh, job, I mean the engagement, and they paid less money than what I got on Second Avenue because the Second Avenue, yeah, I was a star.
0: Was that hard to go from being a star to sort of being part and of the big It was very cast?
1: easy. When you see a director like Jerome Robbins, you don't care about money. You want to appear with, under his guidance.
0: He was amazing.
1: Oh, you was a Genius.
0: Well, one thing I was wondering about in terms of Fiddler on the Roof is it's sort of like this romantic notion of shtetl life. And I wonder if there was something surreal about being in Fiddler on the Roof, which kind of takes the Yiddish theater and cleans it up for a much more mainstream audience. It did
1: not. It did not. We, people might not believe it, but we were very legitimate in the Yiddish theater. In other words, when they did Shakespeare in Yiddish, they did it as it was written. Not as they thought that it should be written. It was really as well as on Broadway. The only thing was, uh, on Broadway was different financing. And on Broadway, you had a bad show, nobody came. And the Yiddish Theater, when we had a bad show, next week we put on a different one.
0: Did you ever write any uh, sketches for the Yiddish Theater? When
1: I was in Vaudeville, I wrote my own sketches. I wrote songs.
0: Could you sing a song for us that you wrote?
1: Oh, yeah. I was a semi author on the song about Essen that I sang there. Koytum nach von Essen. No matter what happens, I got a weed. You know, a little. Was alle in de Free was no tug. Me him, me him, me a office, store, a factory. Frag mich, in de Free? Keinem darf er Keinem darf so sein, geht cup Keinem Se Business fee nisch bei mir, keinem Bravo.
0: Can you give us a really brief translation of
1: what it the song means i got to eat no matter what happens. Who cares what anybody possesses, whatever they do during the day, how, how much the, hours they work. I don't care. i got to eat.
0: <laughs> I love it. And
1: I, 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 after my wedding ceremony, I'm heading for the dining room. The bride says, why don't you give me a kiss? I'll kiss you after I eat. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the song there.
0: Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about Douglas Wamba.
1: Okay, oh, please do.
0: Now, he's the attorney that you played on the television show right. Picket, Picket Fences. Fences. yes. And you won an Emmy for that role. That's right. For people who have never watched the show, how would you describe Douglas Wamba?
1: Douglas Wamba was the only lawyer in town, and he was Jewish. And they figure a Jewish lawyer has to be a perfect lawyer. Why? But he he ha- because they figured that he knows the law, they study the law, he knows the Ten Commandments very thoroughly, but he was a character, he thought he was very funny with his remarks, you know, like he always argued with the judge. The judge once said to him, "Ah uh, listen you, don't you talk to me that way contempt of court you fine fifteen hundred dollars so I used to say, "Thank you, your honor, put it on my tab." <laughs> See, things like that. And uh, it was very amusing. Now, it was, wasn't was written originally that way. How was it written? It was written for a Gentile person. But however, David Kelly couldn't find somebody that he would like for the role. Mm-hmm. So he invited his friends for dinner in his house. And he rented a film called Q&A that I did for Sidney Lumet. I played a lawyer there. And as soon as they saw me, they started laughing. He said, this is the lawyer. He called 20th Century Fox in New York. They knew who he was talking about. (laughs) They called my agent, and the miracle, in one hour, in one hour, the deal was set for Picket Fences. Wow. Without auditioning or anything. And I was 70 at the time.
0: How long were you on that show?
1: Four years. Four
0: years. And so... How much of Douglas's character, I mean, he is so explicitly Jewish, obviously, not
1: just... He's Jewish because he goes to the synagogue in the next town, and there was an episode where he told a joke that the rabbi didn't like.
0: At a, at a memorial service.
1: At a memorial, that's right. Yeah, I saw that episode. And he threw him out of the shul, but he couldn't get away with it. He wouldn't let him get away with it.
0: They went to a Beit Din. They had it, a tell That's court. right. Yeah. I, I
1: wanted a trial of rabbis, a Beit And they said, you can't throw out anybody out of a show, out of a synagogue, you know? And I got an Emmy for that episode. It was beautiful, really a beautiful episode.
0: The character is a religious character. And I wonder, are you religious?
1: I am semi-religious and I'm a religious man. In other words, I keep a kosher home. My wife passed on two years ago and I'm still kosher. I go to the synagogue whenever I can. And uh, the trouble is, in a the theater, you got to play Friday night. Well, the Lord will have to forgive me. But in general, I enjoy it. I really enjoy it. My best pleasure is when I can go into the synagogue and relax, you know. If there's a good cantor like I have in my synagogue, the best, you know, I love it. I go there to enjoy.
0: It's like traditional chazanas?
1: Uh, that's right. He is uh, from the... From the good ones.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> what synagogue is that? I want to the check Sutton it out. The
1: Place Synagogue. All
0: right, I'm going to come. <laughs> oh,
1: do that. Do is that. it Orthodox? Orthodox, conservative. So
0: I can sit near in you? In other
1: words, the women can sit near the men.
0: Okay.
1: They, they don't <laughs> have to sit upstairs. When I was a kid, the women sat in the balcony and the men downstairs. There was a reason for that. The old timers, their wives nagged them always during the week. So at least <laughs> in the synagogue... Their minds were free, you know, or vice versa, or vice versa. They were upstairs and we were downstairs as kids. We had every Friday night, they had a mogget. A mogget is an evangelist. The mogget that we heard every Friday night makes all your evangelists on television today nothing but a bunch of amateurs. How so? Because this man, he knew how to get to the public. Fire and brimstone, you know. The women were crying; you could drown in the tears. There, we went every Friday to hear him. He was very interesting, too. An old man, but that voice—I could hear it. I must have been about eight, nine years old. I can still hear that today, sometimes.
0: Fyodor Finkel, thank you so much for speaking with us. This was a great Mm. pleasure and joy. It went so (laughs) quick. That was 5 Finkel. He joined us on Vox Tablet in 2010. Finkel is performing a cabaret show in New York City at 54 Below. The show will be on March 14th and 15th. If you want to find out more about it, come to our website, tabletmag.com. And, of course, if you liked our conversation today, we ask you to please write a review of Vox Tablet on iTunes. Your review will help our rankings on iTunes, which means we'll get more listeners, and we are always trying to expand our Vox Tablet audience. Vox Tablet is produced by Julie Subrin. I'm your host, Sarah Avery. We thank you so much for joining us. Please join us again next time.